Hello, dear listener, and welcome to Little Realms, a Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcast. Last time on Little Realms... After successfully chanting Dakota with Sergeant Landon, our group split up. I went to the library with Jarrell to make some alterations to the playbill for tonight's grand festival play. What could have been a pleasant afternoon working a printing press was soured by Indigo's appearance. He demanded to assist us, claiming he cares about the city. I don't believe him, but his hands were helpful. Meanwhile, Arden, Cyrus, and Sergeant Landon visited the house of Margaret Arundel to deliver the stolen ledger that proves Captain Mernay is guilty of tax fraud. It took a lot of pushing, but the Margrex finally seems ready to do literally anything. Regardless, Jarrell, Cyrus, Arden, and I are ready. And we won't be stopped. Arden, now that we have finished with this task, we have all day before Vim and Jarrell are done. Why don't we take advantage of this opportunity and you show me how to do that sword dance? I suppose, though, honestly, I think that maybe you should get some rest. It might be a bit more useful than... Well, I know it would be vastly more useful than that sword dance. Cyrus looks at you for a while. He's given you a more serious look than you've ever seen this goofy old man give you before. And it's kind of awkward silence, but then finally he goes, Arden, I do not need to rest. The last time I was fully rested and we engaged guards, I used all my magical abilities to flee, to jump, to run quickly. Whatever happens tonight, I want to be on the front lines. This is the most I've ever been ready. I just need to know how to swing this thing a little better so I can please Corn. Will you please train me? All right. But if we're going to do this, we might as well make a show out of it. Uh, besides, we wouldn't want to be seen sneaking around swinging weapons on a festival day. So back to the end. Though, after we're done, you need to rest. I don't care if the last time you used it to run away, not being able to run away is a much more serious issue. If that's your condition, fine. Hm. It's my condition and a reality. Arden is actually going to see if they can set up a stall for the festival outside of the inn. He's going to basically like set out a hat or something for people to make donations and call it a uh, an exotic swordsmanship exhibition. <laughs> Excellent. Yelchin has no problems with that. He ropes off a little bit of a part of the yard and you've got the place to yourself. All right. Arden will direct Cyrus to stand over at the other edge of the yard and watch carefully with a comment like, I'm only going to do this once or twice. Cyrus is watching. Okay. Arden is going to do the sword dance as he remembers it from the scroll, but he's going to make it different. He doesn't want Rowan wandering up and being like, oh, I know who broke into my house now. <laughs> um, <laughs> So he's going to, you know, make a show of it. He thinks that this entire thing is silly. So he's going to use, like, I guess he'll use his uh, repair for it. Um, so, like, his S-Stock, the largest sword he has. But, you know, like, deep breaths, and very deliberate movements, lots of 
you know, you can tell when he's going to make a certain swipe kind of thing. After watching you, Cyrus picks up his quarterstaff and with very seriousness, he does attempt to replicate the sword dance that he saw holding the the staff uh, like a, he's choking it up and holding it kind of like a rapier, but you can tell that he's watched a barbarian most of his life and he's done some training with Vim, so there is no grace. He is just swinging. Hiya! At some point, he starts cursing like, God damn it! That is, how do you make it look so effortless, like a, like a butterfly? It's beautiful but also precise. All I know how to do is swing hard, and well, these arms aren't very good at that. Well, uh, part of it is that I'm using a sword that's meant for this kind of thing rather than a, you know, large stick that is mainly useful for clubbing people over the head or keeping yourself steady while walking. Here, uh, try this. I'll take my remaining short sword out and hand it over to Cyrus. I used to have two, but I disposed of one of them in the heist the other night. Mm. This is much lighter than my staff. And smaller. Easier to be graceful with. Cyrus uh, attempts the sword dance another time and... It's a lot better, and he starts kind of chuckling. <laughs> you see him looking less frustrated and more happy. Can I borrow this, Arden? Uh, you can keep it. I need new ones anyway. Anyway, that's just part one. If you do it at that speed, even uh, with your increased bravado that you've got, it's not going to be terribly useful in combat, and I don't want to see you attempting this and getting yourself killed because you do. So now Arden is going to do it again, but mix like his own style of movements into it more. So really it only vaguely resembles the sword dance at this point. I mean, it was beautiful, and Cyrus was smitten, but he has watched Bullvine do, like, a, uh, like, Samson thing, like, kill monsters with, like, a fucking jawbones before, so he's never seen anything like this before, so he's none the wiser that you're switching it up on him. When, when, this is a silly question, but the more I breathe, I feel like the more I'm opening myself up to the attacker. Do you hold your breath when you swing, or... Is there a method or a rhythm I should do when I fight? How do you not get winded? Uh, for now, try to do the entire thing while holding your breath. And Cyrus takes a deep breath. Arden's goal is to try to get Cyrus to pass out. <laughs> you bastard. All right. Constitution check? Sure. <laughs> oh, let's see what we got here. Con. I get rolled an eight. So, Cyrus, you manage to hold your breath through the whole form, but as soon as that form's over, the edges of your vision get real fuzzy, and the next thing you see is Arden's face looking down at you, and you're looking up from the ground. Are you okay? Did I... did I... did I master the sword dance? You certainly did it. Yes. Now, just combine your own style into it if you try to use it in fights and practice, and you should be okay. But uh, it looks like you had some trouble handling the entire thing, so no, 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 don't don't try to get up. Just rest oh, for now. There's no, no time for resting, Arden. I, I need to make sure I can do it again. And I, I try to get up and <laughs> jump right back at it, but uh, I probably stumble on the ground and just like fall right back on my back. <sighs> the edges there's... of your vision get real fuzzy again real fast. The most effective fighter is one who is well-rested. Right now, you are not well-rested. Well, a deal is a deal. I did tell you I would rest. You have to promise me, though, you'll not let me sleep in. I can't miss this. As you wish. So Cyrus just puts his head right back on the ground, not even bothering to get up. <laughs> and Arden, at this point, turns to 
whatever crowd is watching. He assumes it's a fairly small one. It's small. And says, as you can see, learning the sword is not something to be taken lightly. This hardy man, as old as he may be, could only manage to do that form a couple of times. But if you wish to learn, step right up. <laughs> Good. <laughs> you get a few volunteers. Some put some silver in the hat. What is Cyrus doing after he gets, like, a catnap well, on the ground? He feels very comfortable with the the motions. Not so much holding the breath the entire time, He's, but he kind of cheats a little bit and he's okay. However, his one hang-up is this metal short sword. Like, it's obviously much better suited for him than his staff, but he's he's looking for something wooden. Arden, um, I might not actually need this weapon. I, I, I agree it's much easier to wield, and I cannot do that sword dance with my staff, but, well, I also, uh, he pulls out his, his staff and does a quick shillelagh transformation. This is kind of my one-trick pony. I, I need something wooden to do it. Whatever works for you. Um, as I said, wield it with your own style and it'll be more effective than wielding it just the way I taught you. I will adapt your style and maybe some of Vim's style, and I will create Cyrus' style. But first, I need to go find that, and I go and find a wooden sword off some vendor. Yeah, the tournament grounds from the other day, you remember seeing like a rack of wooden training weapons, and so you're able to pretty easily yoink a wooden sword. <laughs> Alright, well I will add a wooden sword to my inventory and... Uh... This lame-ass uh, weapon is my, my new weapon of choice. So I'm going to say it's 1d6 bludgeoning one-handed, or a d8 if you're two-handing it. Once I shillelagh the thing, it'll be a 1d8, so... Right, okay. So back at the printer, Vim is being reminded of how long it takes to print things, and Jarell is learning for the first time how long... Jarrell's so excited. <laughs> takes to print things. Uh, but possibly Indigo is infuriatingly helpful. That probably doesn't super bother Jarrell. They're probably coming back at him with annoyingly curious. Um, like they've gone and grabbed the apron that Simon left behind. They're just really jazzed to be like trying out this machine. They want to know how it works. They want to know how the newspaper printer works. They were, like, speculating kind of at him without really expecting any sort of response. Like, do you think it would be possible to, like, print magic this way? Like, if you had the right materials and the right ink, if you could, like, print spell scrolls? Like, that would be really cool. It just kind of chattering on. Um, <laughs> and also very fussy, like, kind of correcting things that he's doing, even though they don't really understand what's going on. <laughs> All of the lines of typeface are extremely straight across. Oh, yes. How is Vim feeling about this, Sarah? Vim is extremely bristly and uncharacteristically quiet during all of this. I think when they kind of spin up the printer, Indigo's inking up the baton, and Vim knows kind of roughly how to, how to actually use the machine and probably helps a bit with the initial showing Jarrell how to use it. But the moment she can kind of cut out of interacting with Indigo, she removes herself. Are you staying in the room or are you going elsewhere? Vim's sure as hell not going to leave because she yeah. doesn't trust Indigo as... I mean, she could throw him pretty far, but, <laughs> <laughs> but she's not about to leave Jarrell or, or anyone else she cares about in the room with this person. So she grabs another block like another wood carving block that should be reserved to, you know, cut a image for another paper or, or whatever the case may be. And she just starts kind of mindlessly carving an image into it. And she's half watching Indigo, half watching the door, half just trying to kind of not interact with him at all. <laughs> um, does his 
just out of curiosity, I'm assuming this takes like a few hours at least. Um, does his disguise stay in place that whole time, or does it seem like he has to refresh it? Roll a, a perception check. Uh, 19 on the die. Oh, man. 23. Huh. Uh, you can't tell. Um, at some point, while they're just kind of chattering, when, and he's not looking, they're, like, holding maybe a piece of paper or something, and, like, while his back is turned, they kind of swipe it over his head to see if it catches on anything. <laughs> Jarrell swipes it over his head, and it impales itself on one of his horns, and the illusion drops. Whoops, clumsy me. <laughs> Jarell. Sorry about that. I, d I don't think you're very sorry at all, Jarell. Well, perhaps not. I was just curious. <laughs> That's better. And then from that point, uh, he just keeps the disguise dropped. So, okay. So as the, the conversation is kind of progressing, they're maybe asking, like, um, questions along the lines of, like, how often do you do this? Like, do you end up printing a lot of playbills and have there been plays here in the past maybe something like that oh yeah every harvest festival oh but this is Rorit's first one isn't it ah, it is oh have you have you i mean i don't want to pry of course it certainly would be you know terrible to to spoil any surprises he has but um have you seen the manuscript you well you must have been at the practices yes i have seen the manuscript and uh, i've seen parts of the practices Oh, you're not in the play then? Oh, no. I'm dead, remember? Well, they kind of look at him like, you've just been in here in disguise all day. Like, what are you even talking about? <laughs> and I think the camera pans over Jarrell's shoulder and we see like a glint of mischief in Vim's <laughs> eye. And her carving is now a lot less aimless. <laughs> I love Vim. <laughs> Vim, what are you working on over there? Uh, Vim pops her head back up as she makes a very deliberate cut. And she stares daggers at him and says, The only reason why you're in here is to run the press. So whenever you stop is when you're going to leave. What I'm carving is none of your business. He holds up his hands. All right, all right. What were you saying, Jarrell? Oh, well, I was just wondering, um, what have we got to expect? I mean, of course, you're their friend, and, and so I, <laughs> I'm sure that must affect your answer a little, but uh, what do you think? Is it is it something pretty special? Do we have any surprises to look forward to? He considers for a second. Ah, well, all plays are full of surprises, if you ask me. Uh, but I can say that this is the first play that anyone's ever been able to pull off that has musical numbers in it. Fuck yeah. Jarrell kind of looks delighted despite themselves. Like, they're a little... That's not really what they were asking, but they light up a little and then kind of try to simmer down. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm being honest, the, the narrative is mediocre and maybe a little bit derivative, but let me tell you, that Rorit can write a song. Bim is, like, trying not to smile so bad. She loves a musical. <laughs> <laughs> well, that does sound really special. Uh, I imagine everyone will be there to see it. I, I should think that no one would want to miss out. Generally, most of Mithrin turns out for the play, uh, at least historically. Hmm. I hope their inaugural show uh, goes really well. Um, I you know, with some of what's going on and they kind of uh, gesture to the broadsides that they're printing right now about Myrne and his uh, skimming. I should hate to see it uh, disrupted or anything like that. Well, Jorel, if you're asking if they're expecting the play to be disrupted... Jorel raises an eyebrow <laughs> meaningfully at him, like, are, are you expecting anything? <laughs> Indigo raises an eyebrow back. Are you? Well, I certainly hope not. Uh, well, we can't help the actions of others. Hmm. But I know that Rorit's goal is to incite action, if you will. 
And I do believe that the play in combination with our creative efforts here will go a long way into accomplishing those goals. Joel kind of gives him a long kind of thinking look. Also, what is on the back of the playbill? And he points to the Neighborhood Watch logo. Well, I don't know. I didn't plan it. Well, I didn't plan this either. Well, maybe you should pay more attention to your own affairs. Uh, so, uh, speaking of, um, so it seems that, uh, all the things that you, that you spoke of last we talked, uh, seems that some of them may be coming to fruition pretty quickly. It would seem that way. Oh, you mean the book. Drell looks at the broadside, the, like, Miranesa tax evader broadside, and then looks at him like, yes, I'm, like, clearly talking about, like, Mirnae and his financial efforts. Yes, I'm very glad that is finally going to be brought to light. Do you know how long it's taken? Drell looks at him a little skeptically, like, well, I'm sure you've tried many things to, uh, get this going. I wonder, uh, with this goal met, uh, what you have in store for the future? I mean, um... It does seem that, or at least we certainly hope, that Victor Arendale will try to solidify his base of power once all of this blows over. I would certainly like to see Victor Arendale assume the leadership role. They kind of raise their eyebrows a little skeptically at him. Would you now? (laughs) It seems that you've put a lot of work into the city over the last however many years. Um, Are you really prepared to turn it over to someone like that? They've just stopped what they're doing entirely and have turned to face him. Indigo also stops what he's been doing and turns to face Jarrell. The Witherhite identity is dead, and I do not wish to assume control of a city under the guise of Indigo. But you haven't really needed any kind of formal title up till now as Indigo, have you? He, like, does the thing where he nods his head back and forth, considering... Well, when you put it that way, no. But once the winter is over, I have every intention of leaving Mitrin. Dim is also, at this point, listening intently, despite herself. Do you want to roll an insight check, Vim? Yes. Actually, can I roll insight as well? Yeah, go for it. Oh, natural 20! This just means I'm going to be rolling ones if we have combat later. (laughs) Dirty 20. Nice. Okay. High fives. Yes. You're both convinced Indigo is telling the truth. Uh, the, The caveat to that is he's not telling you everything about the play, but the things that he did tell you are correct. Sure. How interesting. Jarrell turns back and and resumes uh, working the press. So, now that you uh, feel that you've beaten out Myrna, you're done with your games here, hmm? Well, like I said, I have four more months here before I can split. Uh, So I have a few games left to play. Hmm. Are you a great gamer? (laughs) Am I a great gamer? I would enjoy playing a game with you sometime. Cards, dice... Oh, Fortnite. it would be interesting. Board game <laughs> night. <laughs> I suspect we have very different play styles. I, uh, I think you prefer much riskier gambits than I probably would tend to with the sorts of games that I like to play. A little more willing to sacrifice a piece. I know when my pieces have value, and I'll do what I can to protect those pieces. Drell blatantly looks at them and then looks back at him and says, Well, I hope very much that you know well the value of your pieces, then. I like to think that I do. Bim tears up a little bit <laughs> at what Drell says. <laughs> and then gives Indigo once again the I'm watching you eyes. <laughs> Indigo is giving like that winning grin that doesn't reach his eyes but it kind of does this time and goes back to helping Jarell print Jarell returns a smile that is like is clearly very fake <laughs> <laughs> and that's essentially the rest of the afternoon like running the press and things <laughs> they're back on their theory about printing magic scrolls <laughs> and what do you think of magical ruin stamps <laughs>
<laughs> that I I have no idea, Jorel. They're not really Please. looking for an answer. They're <laughs> just kind of talking at him. I know. And occasionally, Indigo like shoots you, Vim, a the save me expression. So most of the time, Vim's not looking at him. She's actually working very intently. But every once in a while, when he looks up, he meets her gaze and she's actually very intentionally looking at him and is like very clearly like trying to pick out something about his face and then she returns to <laughs> carving. <laughs> and and then uh when they when their eyes meet she does that thing where she like once again grabs the trowel very aggressively and then stabs <laughs> the table. <laughs> Good and so the sun begins to go down. You are finally, finally done printing. Indigo excuses himself a little bit before you're done to go wherever Indigos do. <laughs> and Vim and Jarell are left with their piles of playbills. You can hear, even from the university, the low din of a crowd gathering in Market Square. Ooh, that might be our cue. Indeed. Now, uh, gosh, all we had to do is figure out a way to pass these out and ideally not connect it directly to us. Oh, well, surely there must be some children or something standing around who wouldn't mind a couple copper? At that moment, a child walks by. <laughs> a convenient child, yes. A, con- a convenient child appears, looks over at you and says, Do you have any food? Can you buy me something from the vendor? And it points. It points? <laughs> they, they point. Why are you dehumanizing oh these poor urchins? <laughs> a little like children. No, it's okay. Everybody knows that children aren't people. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Jarrell absolutely buys them some little, like, bread pocket with stuffing kind of thing. Excellent. And then as as they're doing so, like, once the kid has, has whatever it is they're eating, is going to be sort of, like, sell them on, hey, do you and your friends, like, want to earn a few copper? Kind of. Yeah! We've got a little job for you. Yeah. And after that, you have no problem getting a steady stream of children. Uh, There are also ushers that come up to you and ask for the playbills specifically. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) To start passing out. Jarrell does pocket one of each for posterity. Cool. And as they're passing things out, Vim is doing this thing where she's saying, All right, now you tell them that we. So we're just helping out our friend pass out these bills, and we're having you help us so that we can help our friend. She's like a a tall, brown haired woman. You've probably seen her around. Um, I think she's from this neighborhood watch thing. Um, Tell everyone that's where you got these from. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> the kids seem on board with this as long as they're getting food. This is Vim's happy plan to divert heat from specifically Vim and Jarrell. <laughs> Excellent. So, the stage from last night is still constructed, the stage that the musicians were performing on. But now you can see that it's been set generic looking town backdrops, i.e. it's got a clock tower, a few quaint houses, and a largish building with a pavilion and a bulletin board. The sun is settling on the horizon. There are seats filling Market Square, and all the seats are taken. There are also a number of people standing up, uh, milling about around the food vendors. Front and center, Rowan, Myrne, Victor, Jana, and Hyatt are seated in that first row, roughly the middle. Rowan leans forward in his seat. Victor and Hyatt are rigid in their chairs. Jana often turns away to make a disgusted face and Myrne is slouching in his chair with a drink in his hand. And then in the row directly behind them is Isidra, Landon, and Chakota. They are sitting 
basically as awkwardly as you can imagine that that lineup could sit. Isidra is not talking. Landon and Chakota are attempting some sort of light conversation. Where is everyone else? So we haven't had any conversation with Cyrus and Arden about what they planned with the Margrex. Correct. Jarrell is going to be looking for Cyrus and Arden. It is first going to initially be a little surprised and maybe discomfited that everyone, especially Jana, is sitting so close to Myrne and Rowan because they're really not sure what to expect. But they suspect that this play is going to be a uh... bloodbath. I have a mechanical question. When Arden was a crafty cuckold and tricked me to fall asleep, was that a short rest or a long rest? Well, <laughs> did you did you sleep through the rest of the day, or did you like take a short rest outside and then leave, claiming that you were going to take a long rest? Uh, if there was a point where I could leave, then yeah, Cyrus would not have slept. That it's a short rest. Damn you, Cyrus! I... <laughs> um, <laughs> could Arden see the stage from where he was giving swordsmanship lessons? No, not quite. Okay. In that case, he would have ended a bit earlier, uh, counted up how much he made, and then he would have gone to some place where he could see. Okay. So Arden's probably already there when the crowd starts trickling in, essentially. How much did I make? Uh, roll a performance check. Any important questions. <laughs> That's fair. Um, I'm kidding. I think it's hilarious. Eh, I got a, I got an eleven. Eleven. Okay. Oh, you got ten silver out of it. Okay, not bad. Arden is happy with the day's progress, <laughs> and that you know it wasn't a waste teaching Cyrus something that it's a waste to know how to do. Cyrus would have reconvened with his uh, instructor and is probably right next to Arden wherever he is with his handy new wooden sword. Okay. Arden and Cyrus are probably in Market Square when Vim and Jarrell show up and start passing out the papers via the kiddos. And I think, would we have given the kiddos like specific instructions to, hey, don't pass out these papers until halfway through the play or till the end of the play. So that way, when yeah. this like damning yeah. evidence that do, says, like send the maybe different kids with the playbills, or I guess the ushers wanted the playbills. So tell the kids to start handing them out toward the end of the play. Yeah, you can definitely have done that. Because so that way, it's kind of like we've set off a ticking time bomb with the proof of tax fraud pamphlets. Excellent. Cyrus is kind of still like in these downtime moments before they see the other party members. He's still pulling out his practice sword and wishing it through the air, occasionally getting some weird stares and maybe accidentally <laughs> hitting a pedestrian or two. But... Oh no. Oh. Eventually he makes a jab and it just happens to be in the same direction that uh, Vim's long horns are in. He's like, Arden, look, look over there. Looks like the festivities are starting. Ah, uh, um, oh yes. I think they've actually been over there for a little bit now. Oh, I wasn't paying attention. I was mastering the art of the sword. Yes, and uh, good on you for that. Billy, go over and say hello. Let's do Hey guys, gosh, you came just in time. We saved you a spot to stand, I guess. We got to use a printing press. Jarrell <laughs> was like <laughs> kind of excitingly waving one of the playbills at them and their hands are like covered in toner. And did you get everything <laughs> printed? Yes, we did. I think I've graduated straight to black belt in swordsmanship. Cyrus starts showing the duo some of his new skills. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, looks like you've picked up something today. That's... holy shit. Arden, did you teach him that? Hiya! Uh, yes, but I don't think he's aware that I'm not much of a fighter. Jarrell is clapping a little bit. 
They're very impressed. There's more grace in my swings than you have seen this old man ever do. He's impressed with himself. Ah. (laughs) Hey, well, whatever you are, Arden, I think your lessons are (laughs) maybe a bit more successful than mine were ever going to be. And I don't quite understand how. Both of you gave me the same advice, Arden. You told me to be myself, incorporate myself, so... Well, I, I can't swing as hard as you, Vim, and I can't be as graceful as you, Arden, but I will try to be myself and a, a little bit of each of you. How about that? Well, I'm, I'm not quite sure what to think of that, but <laughs> yes, if, if that's the path you take, then... Maybe I'll just look at people real stoically when I hit them hard. A little bit of Vim, a little bit of Arden. How about that? Jarell is kind of biting their lip, trying not to giggle, and kind of looks to Arden and then says to Cyrus, well, you know, like father, like son. (laughs) Well, uh, hopefully you don't need to put those new skills to the test, but uh, Jarell and I were actually pretty successful at the printer. And at this, Vim leans down and kind of like ducks into the group so that she can whisper we've got some pamphlets that accuse Myrne of tax fraud and and we've got a bunch of kiddos who are going to pass them out um, at some point during the play so hopefully all hell doesn't break loose but if it does watch out Jarell kind of glances over to the front row and then looks to Cyrus and Arden and, and says I'm a little surprised to see that uh, people are still out and about do Landon and our lord Margrex have some sort of plan to Make that not the case? Uh, doubtful. Well, we we told them that there's damning proof, and uh, I, I remember telling old uh, good-for-nothing, what's his name, Margaret Sarandell, I told him to be present when shit goes down, so yeah, I think we covered all of our bases. Drill's looking from, like, the Margrets and all those people in the front row to you and back, and is like, um... I have reason to believe that, you know, both this, they kind of rustle the paper, and and the play itself perhaps will um, be a bit of a a spark to tinder, um, and the Marcus's daughter is sitting right there. Should we? Jarell's definitely looking like they're second-guessing this whole plan now. (laughs) I have more faith in her being able to come up with a plan than the Margrets. Right, well, great idea, but she's 16, and maybe that's not pressure we should be putting on her? Perhaps I should have been training in archery so that we could have shot him from here, and Cyrus does a, a faux archery motion right at Myrna. <laughs> what, but, Jarell, your whining is a good point, or your worrying, sorry. Your worrying is a good point. When shit does go down, the Margrix and his, his daughter are awfully close to Myrna and Rowan. Maybe we should make a plan to intervene at that moment. Something to ready in action. Jarell actually looks more concerned at this idea. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, we could go try and steal seats nearby, or or I could disguise myself and hang out close, but, or we can just keep real close eyes on all of them, and the moment it looks like there's trouble, we can rush over. Speaking of which, what's Vim dressed in right now? Not her armor. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I don't. Finn has never. You did in episode one. Finn is wearing festival clothes part two, so she's got like a nice silk blouse. She's got a flower crown on. She's got a little bit of ink on her from working the press, but she looks festival fab, and she does have her like pouches and her warhammer and okay um, like, so she at least has a weapon this time she does have a weapon this time basically think the bottom half of her armor is on but like the top half is all blouses and flower crowns effectively not useful at all for stopping damage though <laughs> but it looks great what if we just wait and see what happens and then jump in when things get chaotic just jump in there. Things will turn out. Like they always do. And Cyrus gives a thumbs up to, to Jarell. And then Vim gives a thumbs up to Jarell. Jarell looks like not comforted at all. Arden is wearing... Arden actually looks like a mercenary right now because he kind of figures out that 
they will get tracked down and he wants to be ready. So like, he looks ready. All right, I feel like this maybe deserves a point of clarification. I'm concerned that maybe what you all think is that there's going to be another fight in this square packed with people. And they're, they're like really lowering their voice so no one nearby overhears. Now, that's my worst case scenario. Is that at all approaching what you have in mind or... Um... Wait, that's your worst case scenario? Yeah, that sounds pretty good to me. It's it's like, it's real straightforward. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping for. Jarell kind of makes like a sharp, like, like a kind of really tight gesture where they don't want to draw any attention, but they're kind of gesturing to all the people in the crowd. So it's not all right when, when, when Indigo creates a whole lot of collateral damage, but, but this is a different situation? We are not orchestrating any of the chaos that's about to ensue. We are here to This mitigate. is a whole lot of orchestrating! She, they're like rattling the little pamphlet at you. <laughs> so at the moment, Jarell is like gesticulating with the playbill. The crowd goes quiet as Rorit enters from stage left. They're wearing a elegant purple cloak and that purple emphasizes the red of their scales. They cross to the center of the stage. Rorit spreads their dragon-like hands to the crowd, saying, My dear friends, allow me the humble pleasure of weaving this tale for you. The crowd claps a little bit, and then they launch into the opening narration. Our story starts with a place. This place is a small, prosperous city called Copper's Cove, situated conveniently next to the oceanside and a mine made wealthy by its raw material and trade goods. And then, of course, our place needs a people working together for the good and betterment of all. And it's at this point the Ye Old Orchestra Pit strikes a note and a musical number starts off introducing all the main character townspeople. There is a blacksmith, a bureaucrat, the military leader of the town, and roll perception real quick, everyone. Uh, not good. Nine. Okay. Mm, Eleven. Fifteen. I got a sixteen. Okay. The 15 and the 16 can very visibly see when the military leader and a few other people are mentioned, the not-quite-so-subtle real-life analogs kind of shift in their seat, and you see them, like, look one direction and then the other, and then back to the play. Roar it during the musical number kind of retreats to the background, lets the players do their thing, and then they come back to the forefront. And for a time, things were good. But things can't always be good. And in this case, it was a rumor that the mine had run dry. The next musical number is a little bit more dour. This musical number is the meeting of townspeople and ends with one coming to the forefront of the town and making an announcement that the merchant companies involved greatly overestimated how much ore is in the mine. And if anyone wants to, like, move to a different spot or anything, uh, the crowd is paying attention to that, and you can kind of move wherever you want to. Can I look real quick in, in the playbill? Does it seem like there's going to be an intermission, or is this all one scene? There is actually not an intermission. Uh, it doesn't seem like the play is terribly long. Drell's kind of doing what they do with their bread things, and they're kind of shredding tiny little pieces off of the corner of the playbill. <laughs> Cyrus is going to like make sure he's within 30 feet of uh, the front row. If something does happen, Cyrus wants to not be pushing through crowds of people. Okay. Rorit comes forward once again, saying, All is not lost. Copper's Cove still had its few but strong trade relations and the farmland around the city. And then there's like 
a really upbeat musical number that's like the subject matter of it belies how upbeat it is because it's things like oh this harvest was good but then the next verse is like this harvest was horrible and we starved that winter but it's the same like upbeat tempo <laughs> was indigo correct in his in his summation is Rorit pretty good at writing a song <laughs> it's a they're all really catchy songs uh indigo is also correct that Rorit is not the best narrative writer <laughs> um i've got a question did you yeah. actually write these songs too no <laughs> oh darn i was going to then ask if you could sing them god no <laughs> that's us adam we're the chorus in the, You're the when chorus. we record later <laughs> yeah uh no i did not write the actual music to the play <laughs> um. i'm only mildly disappointed <laughs> that song actually ends with the verse about the bad harvest and a new character comes forward. They are dressed with a very specific color-coded motif, that being violet. Vorit says from the back of the stage this time, Through Violet's decisive actions, no one starved that winter, but his methods are derided by a certain individual earning him an enemy Jarrell's ex like exchanging a flat look with them everyone roll perception can i just use my passive perception yeah i got a six i did pretty well last time and i did pretty well this time 21 Jarrell's okay. too nervous they're hardly too. paying attention to this play at all Man, I'm using a dice roller because i left my dice in the other room and it might be broken uh, but I did get a 19. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone but Jarrell see Captain Mirnay, who had been watching the play mostly disinterestedly, even after that first little bit, suddenly actually sits upright and like he puts the drink on the ground for once. Has it taken him this long to figure out what this play is about? <laughs> It has. <laughs> Apparently it has, but Jarrell doesn't know. No, that. I know. <laughs> because the next musical number, and if Jarrell didn't notice, they notice now because the next musical number is a Disney villain song oh, sung by the military leader. And Rorit continues their narration. Though the people of Copper's Cove were now divided, everything seemed smooth on the surface. But then tragedy struck. On the first night of the Midwinter Festival, Violet was found dead in his home, brutally stabbed to death. At some point during this musical number, Jarrell and Arden are watching the play, none the wiser. Vim is too far back to see Cyrus up at the front. You're watching Rowan and Myrne like a hawk, and you don't see Rowan leave, but you glance away for half a second, and when you look back, Rowan's seat is empty. What does Cyrus want to do? Fuck, the murderer already left? Yeah, the murderer just left. Yeah, the murderer's gone. And we don't know where he is. Okay, I might, uh, once he notices this, he will try to follow Rowan, like weave his way in between these people. Get out of the way, get out of the way, and he's going to, no longer caring about being subtle, is going to be dashing behind the, the rows of people to see, presumably where he thinks Rowan would have ducked out. Okay. Roll survival. Plus six in that. Oh no! Butterscotch. <laughs> Even with plus six, I only got an eight. So I imagine, even though like my eyes are uh, ahead of my body, and this mm -hmm. frail old man running through the crowd probably just ran into someone who is a bit bigger than him. You watch out. So Cyrus goes running through the crowd, kind of shouldering your way up the aisle that you spent so long getting to the front of, and then about halfway to the back, it dawns on you that if someone were to get up and leave from their seat, they would probably have not gone this direction. Do you want to, like, push your way back to the front or stay put? No. Cyrus is going after Rowan. The only spot, logically, Cyrus thinks Rowan would go 
I mean, we were in we were in his house, so I would try to go that way because I know he has a lot of stuff, a lot of history and stuff there. Can we roll perception to see if we notice Cyrus doing this? Yes. I think Arden notices this because your passive perception is 15 and Cyrus is not trying to be subtle. Yeah, Arden is going to make his way over towards Cyrus. Yeah, Jarrell kind of follows behind Arden, like sticking pretty close. Okay. Cyrus is something the matter. Paying attention to the play and look around you. No one's ducked out. Jarrell looks over to the front row and then back. What are our people? Is anyone else in the front row reacting or... Mirne is. He's looked over at the seat and you see him scratch his head for a second and then look back up to the play, look back at the seat, but he doesn't seem to be immediately moving. Victor on the other side has turned and started talking to Jana and Hyatt quietly as this song is going on. What about Landon? Landon is looking around at the crowd of people sitting and standing and roll insight. Oh, that one. <laughs> Jarrell is like so frustrated that it doesn't, they're not even thinking about why. Um, they cast message and are just like, Landon. <laughs> Landon, you see him like startle in his seat and he looks directly back behind him. He says, yes, I see that he's gone. Where did he go? I don't know. Jarrell just looks like, they look like they're just muttering to themselves and they put their hands up and are making this kind of gesture like they want to strangle someone. Listen, <laughs> Jarrell. But the captain doesn't seem that worried, so I'm not worried yet. Oh, what a lovely state of being that must be. <laughs> well, I... I don't know. Landon elbows Chakota, says something to him. No, Chakota didn't see him either. Ah! <laughs> Jarrell turns to, to Arden and Cyrus. No one saw where he went. Arden, you're good at tracking. Perhaps you and I can go track down Rowan. I would say all of us go, but if things go haywire here, it would be good to have, uh, I don't know, some muscle, and I nod to wherever Bim is. Would be good to have some muscle here to help fight Isidra. What are we worried about exactly? Well, I don't know. They're going to expose Myrne at some point, and I expect he will not like that. Uh, no, I mean, what are we worried about with Rowan? Him getting away. He killed Liara. We cannot let him get away. Ah, well, if he's about to skip town... That, I think, is one less thing for us to worry about. Where's he going to go? Be a hermit out in the middle of nowhere for the rest of his days? Everyone roll perception again. Twelve. Five. Fifteen. Seven. So while everyone is vehemently discussing what should be done about this, the musical number ends. And when you look back to Rowan's seat, he's there again. The next song that starts up is sung by a familiar voice, but the singer is offstage somewhere, presumably. And this song is essentially... The Ballad of Murderer McGee. Yeah, it's the Ballad of Murderer McGee versus the Violet Robin Hood. And the lyrics are very clearly accusatory towards a particular military leader. It's also at this point, just before the beginning of this song, Vim and Jarrell saw the kiddos start to pass out the broadsides. And does anyone want to do anything? Really quick, I want to message Landon again and be like, could you just check that it's not an illusion and give him an accidental bump or something? Rowan, I mean. <laughs> so that's what Jarrell's doing. Does anyone else want to do? Yeah, Cyrus is like, oh man, he's, he's got that like uh, leg shaking, arm shaking. He is white knuckling his practice sword drawn out now. And with his left hand, he points his finger in the sky. He starts tracing amongst the clouds, and a familiar 
God, witness me, comes out of his mouth and into the clouds. As the play starts moving in the direction of accusing Myrna for killing Indigo, or rather for yes. killing Witherheight. You mean Violet? <laughs> Violet. <laughs> right, so basically Vim sees this and like anger starts to rise up in her because she knows exactly how untrue it is and she's getting really frustrated because they know like this is all a lie and they know the real reasons why Mernay is a bad man but she's not behind this sort of propaganda so she just starts moving towards the stage and that's that's where she's going okay i was so meant to move towards the stage as well <laughs> beeline towards Rowan. He's looking remarkably unworried at all of this. He's just like, <laughs> you people are way too high strung. Oh gosh, yes. Are, are we kind of coming up a side aisle? Can you sketch out kind of what's the geography here for me real quick? The, the stage is at the front, and then there's a center aisle that goes up to the stage, and then two rectangles of chairs. And so... You're basically making your way around the outside through all the standing people. Okay, so there are like people standing such that it's not like we're the only people walking around. Correct. If you want to move like run, you'll need to make dexterity checks. I'm going to follow Vim hesitantly. Okay. Uh, Though something did occur to me. Isidra is a mercenary, right? Correct. Okay, Arden is keeping a much closer eye on her uh, as he nonchalantly waits for shit to hit the fan. Oh man, will the two mercenaries duke it out? <laughs> so, Jarrell messages Landon, make sure he's not an illusion. And it's at this point, as the crowd starts to clap and cheer, Mirne finally loses it. Mirne stands up from his chair. There's a small staircase up to the stage, and he gets halfway up that staircase before Rowan can, like, grab at him. As Rowan is making a motion to grab at Mirne, Landon fake sneezes. It's a very terrible fake sneeze. <laughs> and, like, elbows Rowan. You see is him throw his hands up and fall at Myrne up to the stage. But it does appear from where you're standing that Rowan is the real thing. Myrne from the stage is like pointing first at the players on the stage who are bowing while the ye old orchestra still plays. And Myrne is gesticulating at them and then gesticulating at the crowd kind of incoherently. Doesn't anyone see this? That play is our city. The captain is me. Are you really clapping? Rowan is like, sir, just take a moment. No. This is what you want? You want me gone? All of you? And Birne is looking around at Rowan, the audience, the players. You can see the whites of his eyes from where he is. Guards, arrest them all. And it's at that point, Jarrell, you have like a flashback from earlier in the evening where you couldn't tell what Landon was looking at. What you see now that Landon was looking at was a number of soldiers in the audience and around start making a beeline to the stage. How close am I to Rowan? You could do a move action to get up to him. Yeah, Cyrus would like to move up to Rowan in the midst of all this chaos. Okay. With his practice sword in hand, just once he gets real close to him, tap him on the shoulder. Say, hey Rowan, would you like to kill little halfling girls? Liara says hi. Nice swing. Last but definitely not least, I need to give a shout out to all the royalty-free music that I use. If you've noticed, I love to use sound effects, and I get a lot of them from freesounds.org and also zapsplat.com. As far as royalty-free music, I go to 
and Computech.com, um, PurplePlanet.com, and FreePD.com. A new one for this episode is Pond5.com, and um, I found a really cool person on Twitter called at Arcane Anthems. They create custom music for tabletop content creators like myself. And uh, the first song on this episode is called Solemn Rest. That is from Arcane Anthems. You can find them on Twitter at Arcane Anthems. And if you subscribe to their Patreon, you'll get a lot more content. <laughs>